you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Orioles minicamp that they hosted over the past few weeks in Sarasota. Many of the Orioles' top prospects were there. Some names we haven't really seen much from, like Heston Kerstad and Cesar Prieto were there. And then the second group of guys was basically the 2021 draft class. A lot of exciting names, including Colton Kowser, Connor Norby, John Rhodes, and others were there as well for the Orioles, making it an exciting couple of weeks of Orioles baseball in Sarasota with a lot of important coaches there as well. And Eric Garfield, as he always is, was on the scene in Sarasota, taking video, posting it, writing about it, and being once again the expert on all things Orioles minor league baseball down in Florida. So Eric is going to join us once again on today's podcast to talk about all of the action down at the minicamp and who really impressed him from those couple of weeks down in Sarasota. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, we're the only O's pod out there still bringing you three episodes a week during the lockout during this offseason. So if you want to hear about the Orioles, despite things not going well on the CBA side and the owners seemingly not wanting baseball to ever exist again, come over here to Locked on Orioles. We're still talking O's three days a week. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to like, follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And specifically, if you are a listener on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a five-star rating and a review on either of those podcast listening apps, that would really, really help us out a whole lot here on the pod. But again, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we're talking about Orioles minicamp with Eric Garfield. But first, just did want to say, I know I put it out on Twitter this week, why uh, there's no episode Monday or Tuesday of this week. Uh, Unfortunately, I did test positive for COVID-19 on Sunday after having symptoms on Saturday over the weekend. I've been super cautious. I'm vaccinated. I am boosted. Um, I have tried to play it as safe as possible. Uh, but unfortunately did test positive uh, for the first time during this pandemic, Uh, have had the symptoms, uh, still am having some of the symptoms as I record this here late on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, But uh, that is why we had no podcast on Monday or Tuesday, but still wanted to get you guys some podcasting uh, here this week here on Locked on Orioles. The plan is still to have three pods this week, go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as I start to... uh, Feel a little better on the upswing here on Tuesday. Some of the symptoms starting to ease a bit here today. But thanks for your patience. Again, would have been just tough uh, with the fever and the cough and uh, the other things I was dealing with on Sunday or Monday to get a pod out. But that is why no episode Monday, but we're right back here with you on the pod today. And uh, thanks for the you know kind wishes that many uh, sent to me this week after just putting on Twitter to let you guys know why the episode wasn't out. Definitely appreciate that a lot and uh, definitely am on the upswing here with COVID here as I record this on Tuesday. But 
On today's episode, we've got Eric Garfield with us. Of course, Eric, uh, multiple roles in the baseball community, does some scouting, player development uh, over at Fusion Sports Agency, covers the FCL, especially the Orioles, for Prospects 1500 and Utah Street Report, among other things. And he also has his own podcast now. That is the Florida Prospect Report uh, where he talks about all things minor leagues down in Florida, including the Orioles. And you can check that one out wherever you get your podcasts. But Eric, who is known as Eric underscore Birdland on Twitter, uh, the king of all things Orioles FCL and Orioles minor leagues in Florida, is back on the pod to talk about the Orioles minor league minicamp that happened over the past couple of weeks, some of their top prospects, many of their 2021 draft picks, spent that time in Sarasota getting some work in with some of the top Orioles coaches, got some good video out of Eric, and we get some good insight out of Eric right here. We talk about Heston Kerstad's return to the Diamond, how good he looked finally seeing him in an Orioles uniform, Cesar Prieto, we got our first look at him, Joey Ortiz, we'll talk about how he looks coming back on the injury, and then we'll talk about the 2021 draft picks who really shined at this camp, and also some of the coaches who are making a difference working with these young players. That's all coming up right now with Eric Garfield as we talk about the Orioles minicamp down in Sarasota. All right, so we welcome Eric Garfield back into the podcast. He's got seemingly a couple more titles uh, since the last time we had him on, does some scouting and player development over at Fugis and Sports Agency. Of course, he covers the FCL and the Orioles down there for multiple outlets, including Utah Street Report. And he's got a podcast of his own now, the Florida Prospect Report. And Eric, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on the pod. Absolutely. Very happy to do it. Yeah, and so we have you on to talk about this Orioles minicamp uh, that has transpired over the last couple of weeks down in Sarasota, where, you know, it was kind of uh, two different groups of Orioles prospects who were there. That first group was almost, you know, obviously it did not include guys like Adley Rutschman, but almost kind of looked like an all-star team of Orioles prospects. Uh, there was a group of nine guys that were there first, and then kind of a secondary group came along. But let's focus on that first group because the first name I want to talk about is Heston Kerstad, who the Orioles took second overall in the draft in 2020. He, of course, had multiple health issues that kept him out for the 2021 minor league season. But we finally got to see him doing baseball stuff, essentially. So how did that look, getting to see Heston Kerstad swing the bat and play the field some over the last couple of weeks? I guess first thing I should say is that I'm uh, not allowed access to it, so I'm several hundred feet away while filming, but uh, I do have a nice iPhone, so the camera gets me nice and close, and you can uh, use it for slow-mo. So uh, I really have to say, like, Cursed had looked outstanding. Every single thing that, that I saw, uh, he was there for that first camp, and he was there for the second camp, so I got to even see, like, a little bit of what the swing work was doing for him over an extended amount of time, like not just like a three-game series where we only get like a handful of at-bats. So very, very positive work, uh, very athletic swing, kind of like what fans expected when he got drafted. This is an SEC power hitter who used his legs to send shots way over the wall, and that's like exactly what I was seeing in his swing, very, very, very athletic swing maneuver. So uh, I really tried to get as much film as I could because I know that fans just haven't seen it. 
and you know like what i see through through the lens like man if they if they saw this people might realize that uh you know the time he missed it doesn't look to have have really had that adverse an effect on him which is such such a positive sign yeah and and obviously it's not just about a a, a baseball perspective just the fact that he's healthy in general is is fantastic and healthy enough to uh compete in these camps but we saw that swing when he got drafted we saw that swing at Arkansas and you know we had Chaz Pippett on the podcast last week talking about Ryan Mountcastle and kind of unprompted at the end of our conversation he just brought up Kerstad and was like that was the prettiest swing I saw in that draft I'm 100% behind the Orioles you know going a little under slot and taking Kerstad and we saw how that swing looks all that power from that left side and you know now you see that and I'm sure there's plenty of questions about where he's going to start his year. And I'm sure you're hoping he maybe uh, gets uh, maybe his feet wet in the FCL, but we'll see if he goes right to Del Marva. But I, I mean, you know, you just said it at the end there, but from, from what you saw, he seems to be at least back to it, it BP wise and, and practice wise that we're going to see Kerstad in minor league games in about two months here. Yeah, I, I definitely, before I had visual evidence, Connor, I was telling people, I was assuming that he was going to be in Sarasota. But the two weeks that that I saw him get better and show that, that beautiful fundamental swing with elements of violence and power coming from the wrists, I, I, I don't think that testing those abilities against FCL pitching is going to yield the data or the results that that the Orioles want. He's as good as a number two pick should be, and you know that's that's the kind of talent that starts the starts the development in affiliated baseball. I, I would love to see what he does in an empty Ed Smith Stadium, but I think his his level of skill kind of demands a little bit more. And again, such a positive sign for for Orioles fans. Yeah, and, and I know, you know, it's not just the hitting stuff. Like, you saw them go through some outfield drills, and that's probably a spot where you yep. can see more of how just he's moving in general and, and how the athleticism looks. And what did you kind of see from that from Kerstad as well? Yeah, they have different type of drills uh, where they're kind of like go from pre-pitch position, what they do when the ball's in the air, how they scoop like a, like a bounder type that's getting thrown to a cutoff man. All those things, you know... And I watched him, I, I filmed him and, and posted a lot of them in real time and in slow motion just so people can see the, the, the overall ease of movement and how he's not like, he's, he, he's a big person. He really did not lose a lot of mass with, with myocarditis, but he's not a stiff or, or like rigid athlete. He fits in as a corner outfielder and his motions show it just as much as like John Rhodes from Kentucky is an outfielder who scoops the ball, gathers it, and gets rid of it very cleanly. So does Kerstad. He had a, a, a good arm, but you know the, the best thing that I did, the best thing that I saw him as a, a moving outfielder was scoop that ball, gather it, and get rid of it quickly. So you know it's it's against no one. It's not. It's in a drill. It's not a, in, in a game. But you know, just, just by human nature, I thought what I was going to see of Kerstad was going to be significantly less. And it's just every day I went there and he was showing, you know, I'm a number two pick, I'm a team leader, and this is how it's going to be. Yeah, it's just, just fantastic to see it. I did, you know, also want to ask about a guy who missed a lot of last season for different reasons who you saw a little bit of 
uh, which was Joey Ortiz. And I think a lot of people, you know, he obviously from the 2019 draft, uh, we got to saw a little bit of him in 2019. Then 2020 is canceled. And, you know, he didn't play too, too much before he got injured last season. And I know you had said to me, you know, off air that, that he was looking potentially even better than he looked before the injury. It's, it's crazy because he was starting to ascend into a great developmental track and when he got hurt and watching him, you know, I, there was a couple videos that I got wrong and I had to ask a couple players, like, who is that guy just sending shots out to 10th street, like hitting the net or even going over the net. And I was shocked to know that it was Joey Ortiz, I guess, because of his injury, he didn't do BP every day. But the day he stepped in, <laughs> it was missiles. And I mean, I can't count the exit velocity, but I'm, I'm fast-moving missiles out of the stadium. And I got to watch him do individual defensive drills with coaches, like testing his lower body, testing his reflexes, testing his arm, and testing the steam on his throws from the hole. It He looks like he's even better than when he was hurt. So his developmental track, as much as he missed competition and playing in games, looks like it is completely aligned with, with where it should be. And, you know, that 2019 draft is full of, of names with more than one skill. And Joey is an offensive, defensive guy that I think can challenge higher pedigree players like Gunner, like Westberg, and the pressure that he puts on them is actual and legitimate. I mean... Again, I tried to show so much on uh, with 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 the videos, so so fans can see it and not just have to like believe me or, or, or not believe me. But man, you know, it was I was I was just as impressed fr- with uh, with Joey Ortiz, and I really didn't expect to even like see him there doing much. But I saw a lot. Yeah, it's great to see. If you're listening right now and you want to go check out those videos again, Eric's uh, Twitter account is at Eric underscore Birdland, where he posts all those videos. And for Ortiz, this is a guy I've talked about a lot because I saw him back in summer ball in 2017 when he was kind of just like a, a smaller kid with good, you know, kind of singles and doubles hitting numbers out of New Mexico State and was the best fielder I saw in that summer league in 2017. But the question was, you know, uh, he's probably a second base prospect and, you know, he's a smaller guy who's going to hit Get hit singles and doubles and then his body from now to then I mean the transition has just been fantastic and now he hits You're for so power right. and he hits gap to gap and he's a different kind of hitter and it's great to see that the injury you know didn't derail him uh, much at all and we should see him in buoy this year so we'll get back to our conversation with Eric Garfield talking about the Orioles mini camp in just a second but first let's talk about built bar and this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on New Year's resolutions. But not this year. This year, maybe I'll stick to eating a little bit better. And, and that's thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution, though, because, you know, you'll actually enjoy eating these Built Bars. They are delicious, they taste good, and they're good for you as well. And have you maybe tried the puffs that Built Bar offers? If you haven't, then you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. Yes, a marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And, you know, these puffs, they're covered in that chocolate, just like the Built Bars. They got the great flavors like cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. 
so, so good. And you've got the Built Bars as well, which have just 130 calories, 17 grams of protein in every bar, all their delicious flavors as well. At the end of the day, they're delicious, they're nutritious. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Cesar Prieto, there's not much from him in Cuba, but he was in this group and what did you get to see from him? Because there's so many questions about where is he going to start in the minor leagues? How quickly can he get to the big leagues? And really, you know, wasn't on anybody's radars until about a month ago. Okay, I guess I, I saw a lot of Prieto also, like a lot, just about every single day. I think I went like 12 or 13 out of 18 days. So I saw Prieto every single day. And uh, another, another guy that got better from the beginning to the end I'm seeing like more of an offense type player than a dependable glove guy, but for his investment, I guess that's really not like a bad thing in, in, in any way. Uh, he'll put pressure on the second base group as he goes up the minors, but he can make contact and he can make the ball go when he makes contact. Uh, there were guys taking a lot of pitches or occasionally swinging and missing in the cage and when they stepped up the velocity even more he did not he made contact every single time and uh a guest you had uh phil from uh from that watches uh the cuban league talked about how prieto is lefty and he did not face a large amount of same-handed pitchers because that's not a strategy in cuban baseball like it is in ours so i did take note when there was one live BP session, Prieto got the pitcher who was lefty for a double and a home run, and the pitcher was doing well, striking out other players. So just a, a very, very little nugget, but at least it's something that's kind of like on the Orioles' minds. You know, this guy might, the way to get him out might be to have a lefty get him, so we're going to have to try to counter that before, beforehand. Yeah, and just the, the hit tool he has and you know his ability to use all fields obviously helps a guy uh, as a lefty against lefties as well. And and there's still some unknown about him. And, and you know, we're really, honestly, I think we're going to see what the Orioles think of him depending on what roster he's put on to start the year. You know, if he's put right into yeah. Bowie, I think we're going to learn that, okay, the Orioles are serious about, you know, maybe by 2023, this guy could be a big leaguer. And maybe if he does start it at, you know, even Delmarva, you know, maybe they think, okay, let's pull back the reins a little bit, but he'll definitely uh, be an interesting guy to follow. Now, I know that kind of second group of players that came in, and as you talked about, some of these, this first group stayed around. It was kind of just the 2021 draft showing up, it felt like. So who stood out among that group and that, that second wave of players that showed up? Uh, well, Kowser was there both times, so certainly him. He's, he, he, you know, like, like Heston looks like every part of a two-pick, Kowser looks like a great top five pick as well but uh i guess the, the the one from the group that stood out and showed me a little bit more and and he's already impressed me a lot especially defensively was the catcher from tennessee connor pavlovny because it's a different type of practice setting position groups just do random things so i got to watch the catchers him and creed and there was one other one doing infield drills and Pavlovny can move in the infield and he can pivot and turn and I, I you know 
his his best skills in his first week right from the draft was popping up behind the plate and throwing guys out with a quick snap throw and a quick pop. So I'm seeing a great defense, a, a great and versatile defensive package from uh, Pavlovny. Rhodes, the outfielder from Kentucky, he hit several over the wall, including one that was like across the street that had to be 585 or 600 feet. So he showed uh, an excellent bat, and I got to see uh, Trent and Craig go through a lot of BP and a lot of outfield drills. You know, his first step looks great. His arm looks great. So, you know, I, 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 there hasn't been that much hype about the 2021 draft class because they're – their development is kind of just initially underway, but this camp showed that some of these guys are coming back in, in, in better shape and with the skills that got them drafted, development uh, or developed a step further. Yeah, and it's it's great to see all these guys together down in Sarasota already, and and knowing that you know whether or not we get you know an on time opening day for the major league season, we're getting the minor league season starting on time, uh, which is right about two months from now. Uh, which is obviously great for for the Orioles' development in the minor leagues. Now, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of let the listeners understand kind of who's there outside the players at these camps. Like, who in terms of coaches is there working with these guys at at these minicamp settings? I'm very glad you asked. I guess because the rookie league games are intimate and I really am the only person there. I've known the coaches for a couple years and they've, I guess, like, transition from a older baseball profile, like an old-school baseball grinder type of person to a younger type of teacher-slash-instructor. So that's been, uh, that's been a lot of fun to watch, and there's been some very deserving uh, promotions and people earning more responsibilities by getting, uh, getting results, getting positive results. So uh, one of the guys that I know that has worked a lot with infielders and is now going to be an FCL manager, his name is uh, Christian Frias. So I've watched him do work with infielders, like starting with Gunner and his group in 2019. And I watch him. I know the drills that, that he does. I know the machines that he runs. I know his philosophy. And I know that it works on young infielders, and it makes them have better habits. And those habits turn into better fundamentals. So really – Watching that has, you know, I've become kind of friends with him, but really it's somebody, a teacher, like I admire their work. So he's one. Uh, I got to meet uh, Buck Britton one day, just he was uh, shagging flies in the outfield, and I got to have like a legitimate conversation about the state of the system and some guys in it with Buck Britton. And, you know, for as much as we think we know what's going on and fans are informed, there's just so much other stuff, other factors at play. And for an actual like skipper in the in on the farm to to tell me that like right to my face is very very educational. So it's it's easy to meet and interact lots of players and lots of coaches. And uh, you know, I do so respectfully and I try to share and confirm as much as I as much as I can but you know there's there's plenty of guys that I've met over the years that are now in in better spots like Tim DeJohn a guy that a lot a a lot of Orioles fans are starting to know you know his his results are the same thing and players really buy into how he is and how he communicates and I guess for somebody that follows the minors 
everybody has a different teaching style. So the teaching style that the Orioles are favoring now is one that I've uh, I've been waiting for for a very long time. Yeah, and I think we've continued to, to see stories about it, even uh, in John Mioli's newsletter this week, talking about Brandon Becker and how he you know didn't have the career he wanted in the Orioles system, and he all of a sudden latched on to basically wanting to teach players the way he wasn't being taught in the Orioles system. And, you know, Sig Dell and Mike Elias saw that, hired him back as a coach, and now he'll be a double-A buoy. So he's just yeah. uh, he's just one of those examples. Of, him of, and Jalen Ferguson are, are basically the same set of circumstances, but one of them didn't almost drive over me at a stop sign last <laughs> week, and Brendan Becker actually did. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Eric, i got to ask you one last thing. You, know, you talk about being around these coaches and, and these players and getting a chance to, you know, chat with them some – as well, is there anything you'd like to share that any of them had told you that you just learned from these last couple of weeks, whether it be about a certain player, the system in general, uh, or, or anything that you just learned uh, about the Orioles just watching and, and talking to people at this minicamp? Absolutely. Uh, they appreciate the support, and they notice the support, and most of them uh, would really be open to like more during the season. But... What I talk to them the most about is, you know, like, am I am I crazy for thinking that things are so positive or that overall your company is moving in, 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 in a better direction? And most of them feel like, no, they're proud to be Orioles and they're they're they like the pressure that's on their shoulders as athletes. So that is very, very foreign to me as an Orioles fan and. I guess, like, to, to, to summarize that, they expect to have a winning organization and be part of it, like, in the next 20 to 30 months. They expect winning to turn around soon. So I don't know if that's really youthful optimism or, like, their, their blind confidence, but as much as we think this is turning around, we're just the watchers, they're the doers, and they really believe it, too, so... It makes me feel like, you know, this is this is kind of like a message I, I, I should be bringing. Yeah, it sounds fantastic that they have they have bought in and, and, you know, it kind of fits on both sides. It's good that the coaches have bought in and it seems like the Orioles are hiring and promoting the guys who are buying in and are helping, you know, this entire organization really develop. But Eric, obviously, we're going to have you on multiple more times throughout this offseason and once this minor league season gets going. But uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast today, talk a little bit about this uh, exciting group of prospects down at that mini camp. And uh, I know those kind of things are going to continue all the way up until, you know, any sort of minor league spring training starts, but uh, thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. Anytime. We have a hidden camp in two and a half weeks. So we'll get back to the Orioles talk here in just a second, but first let's talk about bet online, which has you cover this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues the march through the playoffs right to the big game coming up this Sunday between the Cincinnati Bengals, who would have thought, and the LA Rams. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And despite the big game coming up, it's not just about football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. There's so much to wager on, so many games to play, so much to do over at betonline.net. Again, that is betonline.net, where the game starts. 
So our thanks again to Eric Garfield for joining the show once again. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Birdland, where he is a must-follow for Orioles fans, especially those interested in the minor league system. He's going to get you all those videos from these mini camps that you're not going to get video from anywhere else. And also, during the FCL season where the games are not broadcasted, uh, Eric does a great job of keeping us updated on all things Orioles FCL from a lot of the newest Orioles and a lot of guys who have been in these last couple international signing periods will be in the FCL this year as well, along with the 2022 draft picks when that happens, and we'll get all our information from Eric as usual. He is a great follow. Again, you can check out his writing at Utah Street Report at Prospects 1500, and also he's now got a podcast as well. That is the Florida Prospect Report, if you want to go check that out as well, wherever you get your podcast. But a great conversation talking about the Orioles' prospects at this minicamp and just above everything else, I mean, it was great to hear, you know, obviously about Connor Pavoloni doing well and John Rhodes hitting the heck out of the ball and Joey Ortiz being healthy and getting a look at Cesar Prieto. But above everything else was Heston Kerstad, not only being healthy enough to get back on the baseball field, but how good he looked, looking like the hitter we saw at Arkansas, you know, driving the baseball from the left side, looking good in the outfield. That is great to see. I do have a feeling the way Eric talked, what he saw from him, that at the very least we'll see Heston start his year in Delmarva in April and will probably pretty quickly move up to Aberdeen and probably beyond in the 2022 minor league season. I would project him to probably end the year in Bowie and then go from there with the Orioles. Um, Just a fantastic, fantastic situation to have him back on the field and be healthy enough, not just to play baseball, but just to be healthy in general for Heston Kerstad. But it was a really good conversation with Eric, and again, we'll have him on in a couple of weeks here, most likely, as another camp of uh, great Orioles prospects come through for a hitting camp in Sarasota. Then we get closer and closer to kind of minor league camp starting. Hopefully, we'll get major league camp as well, which was supposed to start just about a week from now. I don't think that's happening. Uh, The Players Association and the owners not close, and uh, let me tell you, this is the fault of the owners right now. They are not bargaining in good faith at all. All of the players have spoken up about this. Uh, they are not conceding on anything. They're trying to bring in third parties to do their work for them. The players want to play this season, and it seems like the owners do not. And uh, it sucks. It really sucks for baseball, not just in 2022, but for the future of the game, that the owners of these teams essentially don't want to see the league thrive, league grow. They don't even want to see them play games this year, have a league, it seems like. Um, so hopefully, hopefully at some point, Uh, The owners will concede and be ready to bargain in some way, shape, or form because the players should continue to ask for what they want and should be given better pay structure, especially for the younger guys, and that minimum salary should be risen. And we got to do something about service time manipulation as well and when guys hit free agency and do something about, you know, tanking as well. But Overall, I mean, just a disaster from the owners here, and and it's sad to watch the owners just try to destroy baseball like this, but hopefully um, at some point we will get some Major League Baseball, but either way, we're going to get Minor League Baseball on time here in 2022, but speaking of the Major League guys, for the rest of the week, we're actually going to do a little more of a look back back on 2021, because if you remember... Back in the fall after the season ended, I started my 2021 season report card grade series and had a lot of guests on to talk about a lot of Orioles players. But there were actually six players that are still with the organization that I never got to in that series. Well, I'm going to finish up that series finally 
here this week in the next couple of episodes. On tomorrow's episode, we'll talk about the last three pitchers I get didn't get to. Three of the young lefties, Zach Lowther, Alexander Wells, and Bruce Zimmerman. We're going to grade out their 2021 seasons and talk about what role they could play with the O's in 2022. So we'll be joined by Brendan Mortensen, who's been on this podcast before, uh, does a whole bunch of stuff over at Mass and Orioles. And Brendan will join us for that chat. And then on Friday, it's going to be three position players we did not get to. Kind of an interesting group of outfielders. Tyler Nevin, DJ Stewart, and Ryan McKenna, all certainly on the roster bubble heading into 2022. We'll talk about their 2021 seasons, give out grades, and talk about how they may fare as they all may be fighting for just one spot on the opening day roster whenever the time comes this year. But that's all coming up again tomorrow and Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday episodes on the pod this week as hopefully I continue uh, to feel better and better and keep getting you some podcasts here for the show. But we'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.